0: Aretha, everything to me. I grew up listening to Aretha Franklin. I was like the only little kid uh, playing Aretha Franklin. And then I go and I win American Idol. Just and a little thing. Just a little something, <laughs> something. And then I get to perform for her. That event. Yes. We we saw each other many times. We spoke yeah, yeah. with each other a lot yeah. of times. Yes. But that Divas Live, Aretha was so, like, just real. Yeah. Like, she said to me mariah they're playing games and i'm not having the games <laughs> so we won't be rehearsing tonight and we didn't even get to rehearse and it was aretha franklin and i was like i have to sing with aretha franklin live on tv with no rehearsal we rehearsed in her trailer you met aretha right once i did i met her a few times um we sang at the white house and she was so sweet and she was like so cute and i was like she really i was like how are you, real person? I know, yeah, right? Uh, yeah, no, it's an honor to have met her, and we're going to celebrate her. Happy birthday, dear That right there, that's The Temptations, Dennis Edwards singing the birthday song to the late Aretha Franklin. It was 2016. It was her 74th Birthday, and there was a huge shindig at the Ritz Carlton Hotel in New York City. It was a star studded evening. And Aretha, Aretha was working a white mink. Aretha passed away on August 16th, 2018. On March 25th, 2022, Aretha Louise Franklin, our queen of soul, Would have been 80 years old. We're celebrating though with one of Franklin's most beloved songs and really one of my all time favorites. And that's Daydreaming from 1973. Daydreaming. And so you see, it's appropriate that Mr. Edwards, the man infamous for replacing David Ain't Nobody Coming to See You, Otis Ruffin in the Temptations is singing to Aretha, because as Aretha admitted many years later, Daydreaming, written by Aretha Franklin herself, is about Dennis Edwards, about a long limo ride. Yes, that's what the streets are saying. And when I say the streets, I mean Aretha Franklin. But we're going to talk about it all on this episode of Your Black Girl Songbook. What is the word? How are you? Like Ludacris says at the top of his number one spot, we're back again. Season three, episode one. Black Girl Songbook is a Spotify original show. Yet now, I am waving to everyone listening via the podcast app of their choice. What? I think we call that growth. I think we call that expansion. Teen Black Girls songbook is beyond excited. Hi. Because now black women in music are receiving the credit we are due on multiple platforms. Welcome. I am your host, Danielle Smith. Let me just keep quoting rappers. Allow me to reintroduce myself. I am a former editor in chief of Vibe magazine and the iconic. Vibe Magazine. I am a former editor of Billboard, and you may have seen me on your screens on ABC, Hulu, or Netflix, or ESPN talking about anyone from Whitney Houston to Prince to Britney Spears. I keep it busy. I write for places like the Los Angeles Times and NPR and the New York Times, and, 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 and I have a book coming out in April of this year, 2022. It's called Shine Bright, a very personal history of black women in pop. I've been working on Shine Bright woo, for five years, but really, I've been thinking about it in one way or another for as long as I can remember. And as wild as this world is, I'm feeling blessed to tell these stories. And I think folks are listening because Teen Songbook has been included on a number of best of 2021 lists. I mean, we were on Essence's list. Thank you, Essence. Pose list. Thank you, HuffPo. We were on BET's list of just like great, important, smart podcasts, shows. We're grateful. This is exciting. And we're grateful to you for listening, for shooting us feedback, and importantly, for spreading the word and raising awareness about our show. Thank you. I hope you're keeping well. And I hope, like I always do, that you're taking as much time as you're able to listen to the music that makes you feel the most alive. Aretha Franklin makes me feel alive, and I'm far from alone. We all know the ring of Aretha's most powerful guns. Chain of Fools from 1967. Think from nineteen sixty eight. Respect Ooh, what you want. Baby, I got. until you come back to me. One of my favorites, Call Me. Call Me was written by Aretha herself, and it's the way she and the background vocalists sing Call Me the Moment You Get There. And I love you. I love you. Baby, will you call, call me, call me. The, the moment you get there? You get there. Yeah. Call Me The Moment. The moment you get there, it's just like mutual obsession in a song. I love it. It's new love. But there's other stuff, songs that remind me, frankly, that I love music, period. That's the kind of artist that Aretha Franklin is. Let's call it what it is. She's the leader. She's the leader even in death. Please listen to every singer that has come after her, whether you're a vocalist or a pianist or a songwriter or a listener. Aretha is a gateway drug to music. And me, I stay musically and spiritually high off the version of Precious Lord that Aretha recorded live at Detroit's New Bethel Baptist Church in 1956, when Aretha Franklin was literally 14 years old. It's it's the church of her life. It's her dad's church. The album, which went unreleased for just short of a decade, I believe it came out in 1965, was called Songs of Faith. But mind you, in 1956, Aretha was already a mother. She was born in 42. I mean, the math isn't difficult. She gave birth to her first son when she was 12 years old. In trouble, you need some love and care. She's a 12-year-old mother talking about, lead me on. To the light, it's a testimony that functions on so many levels, too many levels, the wrong levels. How must that have been? We're talking about Aretha Franklin's life today. And sometimes as much as Aretha has been written about, talked about, interviewed, I feel like I'm missing details. But how must that have been? Like, just what were the details, the physical and mental and spiritual details? What was that like to bring a child into the world at the age of 12? A thing that I appreciated about the 2021 film Respect, the Aretha biopic co-produced and starring Oscar winner Jennifer Hudson, is that the character of young Aretha is shown pregnant, like Belly showing. She looks like a child because she is a child. And the whole thing is just, it's painful to watch. It's tragic. In the film respect, Aretha Franklin's young character is presented as victimized. And she was. It's just that we all rarely talk about it. So I was happy that in Jennifer Hudson's film, we saw it. We need to see it. In chapter 25 of Black Girls' Songbook, we spoke to Jennifer Hudson about it. I I remember Audrey saying, this is a very heavy life to tell. And I remember feeling that way, you know? And, And then it was in that moment where I realized, I was like, Aretha saw so much more in me than I saw in myself. It went beyond Jennifer sings and Jennifer acts. I feel as though um, no one could tell her story with that much depth. I wouldn't have been able to do that without my own life experiences to draw from in an honest and vulnerable way. And I felt as though it was my duty um, as the actress and then the person that she personally selected to do this to if I'm going to tell her story with those types of sensitivities, then I needed to bear myself as Mm -hmm. vulnerably and honest, and as real as I possibly could've. Aretha Franklin makes me feel alive when I hear her singing Simon and Garfunkel's Bridge Over Troubled Water from 1971. It's definitely a hit, but I feel like people forget about it. We have Aretha on lead vocals and on piano, which is always the money shot. We have Pat Smith, we have Margaret Branch, we have Brenda Bryant, and we have Sissy Houston on background vocals. Sissy Houston is Whitney Houston's mother. Billy Preston, the genius Billy Preston. Billy Preston, who co-wrote You Are So Beautiful, Billy Preston, who has epic hits with Will It Go Round in Circles and Nothing From Nothing. You know the song, Leaves Nothing. Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. Billy Preston, who was the only non-Beatle to ever be credited on a Beatles song. It's 1970s Get Back. Preston is on Bridge Over Troubled Water. He's just there kicking it. On the organ. Listen. Still water run deep. Yes, it do. I know that. The thing I love about the song, too, is I love the very black construction of still water run deep. Yes, it do. Over the more basic and grammatically correct. Yes, it does. Aretha made A Bridge Over Troubled Water as much her own as she made Otis Redding's original Respect her own. Just, just for a second, let's just listen to the late, great Mr. Redding's version of Respect so you can see for yourself. Oh, my back. See, she stole that song, and he's quoted, mind you, as having said so. But since we're still on the topic of Aretha Franklin's songs that make me feel alive, we can go to her song, Here We Go Again, from 1998. It's produced by Jermaine Dupree, Trina Broussard, and Trey Lorenz. And it stands out among the many 90s R&B gems like the mid-tempo diamond that it is. Dupree's production, I can never figure out if Jermaine Dupree is underrated or overrated, but his production here gives Franklin's voice space to breathe, space to kind of layer itself. She was of an age by the time she recorded this song, and she sounds like many singers wish they could after 30-plus years on the microphone. But before we get to the miracle that is Aretha Franklin's daydreaming, let's talk a little bit how it all started. Yes, I was born in Memphis. That's correct. That's Aretha Franklin speaking to a German television host in the 1960s. She was born at home in a house on Lucy Avenue in Memphis. It's a little two-bedroom Nothing fancy. I feel like we always refer to people being born. Like a lot of social media posts evolve around people, quote unquote, born on this day, born on such and such a day. In personal relationships, right, when we're getting to know people, it's like, where were you born? I'm always like, and proudly, right? I'm like, I was born in Oakland, California. The thing that we forget about all this born stuff is that women are doing the birthing. It's like every time we use the word born, we're speaking of women's work. My husband and I don't have kids, so correct me where I'm wrong, but it's actually called labor, right? We use this word born all the time and attach so much meaning to it, even apart from ideas of motherhood or fatherhood or parenthood. This is why I wanted to talk a bit about Aretha Franklin's mother and maternal grandmother for a minute. It's so often her father, the Reverend Clarence Franklin, that we speak about when we speak about Aretha. So one, I was glad to see Aretha's mother character portrayed so prominently by the great Audra McDonald in the Respect film. And two, it does us all well to remember that while Aretha is definitely Detroit's own, both Memphis and Mississippi, and for that matter, Buffalo, New York, are in her blood. Before we talk about daydreaming, I also want to talk about Aretha's girlhood. It was short, but she did have one. Aretha Franklin's mother is the late gospel singer and pianist Barbara Vernice Siggers Franklin. Barbara was born in 1917 in Shelby, Mississippi. Barbara's mother, Aretha's maternal grandmother, her name was Clara, and she migrated her large family to Memphis, where Barbara, Aretha's mom, the youngest daughter of seven siblings, was a standout student. She went to a all-black school called Booker T. Washington High School. I feel like every high school back then must have been after Booker T. Washington. So Memphis back then, oh, it was popping. It was popping. It was a capital of the South in the 1920s and 30s. Beale Street, the world-famous Beale Street even now, Memphis was a capital of the South in the 1920s and 30s. And Bill Street was beautiful via the investments of a guy named Richard Church. Church was one of the United States' first black millionaires, and he bought a lot of property cheaply around Bill Street after a yellow fever epidemic. Bill Street was so popping that it was often called the main street of Negro America. Churches' land ownership allowed for Blacks to open nightclubs, restaurants, churches, stores. The whole energy, you know, it was just Memphis was sophisticated. It was very much going to town back then. All of this influenced young Barbara, Aretha Franklin's mother, before she became Aretha Franklin's mother. But Barbara's mom, Clara, Aretha's grandmother... Clara could not financially manage her large family in Memphis. It was expensive to live there. It was in town. It was the city. So they moved back to Mississippi to their Shelby farm. Now, Clarence Franklin, the man who would become Aretha Franklin's father, he'd been preaching on the Black Baptist Circus since he was 16 years old, and he often visited Shelby from neighboring Sunflower County. All these places still exist. There's folks living in Shelby right now. There's folks living in Sunflower County right now. Clarence saw Barbara at church playing the piano, singing. She had that city, that in-town Memphis kind of sophistication, and he was very much attracted to that. And soon, Aretha Franklin's future parents, they was in a relationship. Clarence's home county that he was always trying to get away from, Sunflower County, it was the kind of county where black men and women could get hunted down by a mob and be made to watch their own fingers being chopped off and tossed to a crowd of 600 cheering white people who were feasting on like deviled eggs and drinking whiskey. This is not hyperbole. This event that I'm talking about, it actually happened in Sunflower County, Mississippi, Doddsville, Mississippi, to be exact, on February 7th, 1904. There are newspaper clippings that exist from that day, and those clippings include eyewitness accounts. That's, that's where my detail comes from. And I bring up this detail, this heinous detail, to say that the blues in a music that would eventually become rhythm and blues, then shortened to r and those blues come from actual, mental, physical, and spiritual blues, trauma seeps down through the generations, which is why we're talking about Aretha Franklin's mother and grandmother and her dad. Kind of from the beginning, Barbara, she was dealing with her husband Clarence's infidelities. They were extreme, not the least of which, There was a scandal about him having a child with a 13-year-old member of his new Memphis congregation. The Franklins stayed in Memphis until 1944 when they moved to Buffalo, where Aretha's father, Clarence Franklin, took over Friendship Baptist and where Barbara, Aretha's mom, was his pianist and choral director. Both Barbara and Aretha sang at Friendship Baptist. Aretha's aunt, Ruby, who was married to Barbara's brother, said on the occasion of Aretha's death that Barbara Franklin had a beautiful voice and was an unforgettable gospel talent. Ruby also recalled Aretha as a child. To me, something that we so rarely hear about. Aunt Ruby recalled Aretha climbing up to study the piano keyboard while the family lived on Buffalo's Glenwood Avenue. The house is still there. In 1946, the family moved to Detroit where Reverend Clarence took over New Bethel Baptist, the famous New Bethel. Clarence himself was becoming famous. He was friends with stars and civil rights leaders. And in 1948, when Aretha was six, her mother Barbara moved back to Buffalo with the son she'd had before she got together with Clarence. It's often written or presented that Barbara, quote unquote, left her other four children. Rarely does it ever come up that perhaps Clarence, via his gender and his fame, was able to keep the children. This is a detail that works my nerves. Aretha visited her mother often in Buffalo. She spent summers in Buffalo. Her mom was working as a nurse or sometimes a nurse's aide. Barbara was living with her stepfather and mother. You remember Clara, the one that moved the family in from Shelby to Memphis? Aretha's remembered in that Buffalo neighborhood. She's remembered as a tomboy, picture it. She's remembered as the kind of little girl that would climb up a fence or up an apple tree. That's a certain kind of little girl, to be honest. It's not that far from the type of little girl that I was, me and my sister, you just never hear about. Little Aretha, before she gave birth at the age of 12 to a child of her own. But for little Aretha, there were lollipops These are details. This is research. There were lollipops. There was ice cream. Aretha used to like to ride her bike. One of Aretha's childhood friends, Charlotte Russian, told the Buffalo News that as kids, I'm quoting her, as kids, we weren't thinking of Aretha becoming famous. She was a fun person to be with. And she wasn't even singing around us like that. I loved her in Buffalo because she was just Aretha Franklin, end quote. Over the course of her life, Aretha, with her siblings, Irma, Cecil, and Carolyn, they went to Buffalo often to visit their mother's grave. In 2016, Aretha was inducted into the Buffalo Music Hall of Fame. We always hear about Aretha, right, being the first woman inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Well, here's another one. And according to Aretha's autobiography about her mother, a neighbor is quoted as saying Barbara would climb the porch steps, settle into a rocking chair, and draw Aretha and Carolyn to her side. Barbara Franklin would rock the children and speak to them of better things to come. That lady was done wrong. (sighs) Continuing. Okay, so let me tell you how necessary it is right now for me to hear Aretha's Ain't No Way from 1968. One and, I know, <laughs> one, and I know I say this a lot about a lot of different records, but I don't care. Because Ain't No Way is a perfect record. I also want to hear it because it's a family song and we're talking about family. Ain't No Way was written by Aretha's sister. The singer-songwriter Carolyn Franklin. The one that was pulled onto her mama's lap with Aretha. And please, listen for Sissy Houston on Ain't No Way. Listen for her going super high in her range on background, which I really want to just start calling foreground. Donnie's about to play us a quick snatch of Aretha Franklin's Ain't No Way. And right after that, we're going to talk about her daydreaming. So please don't argue with me if you see me if you at me, don't argue with me about ain't no way because ain't no way it ain't no way that's not a perfect record. but onward and upward let's just play the top of Aretha's daydreaming vocals just just to set the mood. Let's get away, let's go someplace, huh? Where I don't care. So, mood set. It was nineteen seventy three. Aretha was single. She was thirty one, gorgeous, gleaming, glowing and making some of the biggest hits and most important music of her career. Daydreaming is from 1972's Young, Gifted, and Black. It's Aretha's 18th studio album. So just as we talk about work and labor and all these things, can we talk about being on your 18th album when you're 31? The album title and song cover is from Nina Simone's 1969 Young, Gifted and Black, a song composed by Simone and Weldon Irvine in memory of Raisin in the Sun playwright Lorraine Hansberry. I miss more and more every day, every day. It seems that she comes alive more and more every day for the up. All kinds of things written about her. Each day, more and more. Aretha was in a mood, you see, to connect things, to tie things together. Aretha's "Young, Gifted and Black" album includes sublime songs like "Oh Me, Oh My." Oh, that is a song. Rock steady will heat any room up, any party, any anything right now, today. Sit yourself down in your car and take a ride While you're moving rocks, steady. Let's call this song exactly what it is whats what, what it is There's All the King's Horses, not my favorite, but God bless it. And there's also the gorgeous—it's—it's it's really my jam, the gorgeous brand new me, with that just because of you. That hook. Just because of you. Just because of you. Just because, of you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. just because. Listen, that song, and even in addition to that. Young, Gifted, and Black has Aretha's amazing cover of the Beatles' Long and Winding Road. Rain. Rain. Oh, but daydreaming? Listen, first of all, as I've said, the background singers are on foreground duty. And this time, it's the aforementioned Carolyn Franklin, Aretha's sister. She's with Brenda Branch, epic voice, Margaret Bryant, insane voice, and Sissy Houston is there also. I feel like I always need to repeat that Sissy Houston is Whitney Houston's mother and the person that Whitney Houston credits with training her to become the singer that Whitney became. Whitney was about nine years old when Daydreaming was recorded. Whitney may not have been in North Miami at Criteria Studios when Daydreaming was recorded, but Whitney was in the world. And Whitney knew what her mom and her group of background singers they were called the Sweet Inspirations. Whitney knew what they were doing and what they sounded like. She was listening, she was paying attention. Have you ever heard Whitney speak about Aretha? Please listen. When I first heard Aretha sing or when I was in studio and I saw Aretha and Sweet Inspirations working together and I heard Aretha's voice, It's just something that she has. And the way she makes people feel, you know, was what I wanted to have, you know, what I said, ooh, if if I could ever be a singer, that's the way I'd want to make people feel. That was the Whitney Houston, the one with the golden voice speaking to Merle Ginsburg during a 1986 interview with Rolling Stone magazine. It's just good to hear like, Verbatim from Whitney's mouth and heart, how influenced she was by one of the greatest voices that we ever heard. It's like great on great on great. It's that's Whitney. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm so happy that that exists. On tape, I'm so happy that our story consultant uh, Tajrani found it. It's everything that we can see—the line, the strand, the through line between Aretha and her sister, and Whitney's mother and Whitney. It's—it's it's literally just called. It's there's a name for it. There's classes on it. I'm not a sarcastic person, but I'm just going to say it's called history. And black women are left out of it. And these kind of through lines go undocumented. And that's why we're creating Black Girl Songbook. I don't even think I'm being sarcastic. I think I'm just being irritated. But when I'm irritated, I tend to work. So in addition to those culture-shifting foreground singers, I mean, we have just, it's an amazing group of people that were in that studio. We have session greats Cornell Dupree and Don Arnone on guitar. We have the gifted and prolific Chuck Rainey on bass guitar. The genius Hubert Laws. Hubert Laws has his own albums. Hubert Laws on Daydreaming is on Alto Flute. And then, drum roll, please, we have the late Donny Hathaway on piano and electric piano. I'm talking about Donny this Christmas, Hathaway. Donny, a song for you, Hathaway. Please listen to the opening piano on 1971's A Song for You from Hathaway, and you will see precisely why she would want him to be on this record. She knew what she was about to do, her vocals. On daydreaming, they're effervescent. They're like little bubbles in a champagne glass. This isn't always where Aretha Franklin goes mood wise. She knew she was about to make a happy record, and it looks good on her. She's in Miami. And it feels like she's thinking about the Caribbean or South America, Brazil. Maybe she's thinking about what it was like to be on her bike back in Buffalo when she was a little girl. Before we all knew about Aretha Franklin in all caps. In daydreaming, Aretha is giving passport fever, boy crazy. She's giving travel noir energy in the early 1970s. Where she's singing. Where I don't care. Man, listen. Where? She's like, let's get away. Hey, baby, let's get away. Let's go somewhere far. Baby, can we? Where I do not care. Come on. It's everything. It's balance. It's freedom. It's fun. It's love. It's lust. It's joy. Aretha Franklin came up with money, especially by the time they got to Detroit. She lived a lifestyle that was different from so many black people at that time, and really different from a lot of black people and marginalized people in this time. But Aretha came up a hard way. So did her mother, and so did her grandmother. And it just feels like, in 1973's Daydreaming, that even if it's just for a few short minutes— Aretha is shaking it off. She set a tone. So many great records from Black women pick up this thread from our Aretha. What about Janet Jackson's Escapade? escapade. escapade, escapade, Aside from being one of Janet Jackson's best songs ever, there's effervescence. Just picture those bubbles in that champagne glass. Let me take you on an escapade. And Janet is doing the inviting. That's what I love. She's not waiting for anybody to say, even as Aretha, you know what I mean? It's like Janet's upping the ante and saying, let me take you on an escapade. Oh, it gives me the chills, I promise you. And what about Tracy Chapman's moodier, yes, more chill, that's how Chapman is. What about her fast car from 1988? You got a fast car Is it fast enough so we can fly away You gotta make a decision Leave tonight or live and die this way Man, that record is for all time. The song is fragrant. Do you hear me? It's fragrant with hope. It's like she says it. It's, it, it. it's hopeful, even though she and her girl are starting from zero and got nothing to lose. But she talking about, I got a fast car, though, and we going to get up out of here. I love this energy for black women. I love this kind of music that creates like an aura where the blues, the blues can't really break through, even if it's just, you know, just give me a day, a week, just let, let that music be the little protective aura. I love it. That feeling of like, I'm moving too fast. We're moving too fast. You can't even see us. We are a blur of joy. We are out here singing our songs. Honey, doing our thing. I told you, I told you that Black Girl Songbook is back. We're back. And we hope you hang out with us for the rest of season three. Season three. We have some beautiful, strong things planned it's our shine bright season my book shine bright a very personal history of black women in pop it's available for pre-order now it's available for order forever after my book is similar in theme to black girl songbook it's a merge of memoir and biography and my book is the joy of my life so let's stay in touch please You know, I'm always on Twitter. I'm always on Instagram doing the most, sharing a little bit of life, a little bit of culture, and a little bit of music whenever I can. My name on both platforms is Danamo, D-A-N-A-M-O. Team Black Girl Songbook is a brilliant ringer crew. They keep this whole thing together. Episode by episode, we have producer Trudy Joseph, Audio producer Donnie Beecham, story consultant Taj Rani, and DJ Steve Porter is on sound design. Our talent booker is Allison Turner, and on additional production supervision, we have Juliet Littman and brand new to the crew, Chelsea Stark-Jones. Welcome, Chelsea. Amanda Long, the great Amanda Long, is our publicist, and Sean Finnessy is always nearby somewhere with advice and encouragement. Blood Girl Songbook is here for you on Spotify via The Ringer. But now you can listen to us wherever you get your podcast. I feel like singing it. So. Why am I in a good mood right now? I don't know, but I think we're about to hear a little snatch of daydreaming, though. That's what I do know. <laughs>